Welcome to Centerpoint Church. Ooh, I finally have my first front row sitter. <laughs> let's let's like clap for them. That's like amazing. <laughs> I just have to give them a little hard, bit of a hard time. But anyways, welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master, and I'm the pastor here. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God, whether that means giving you a place just to pop in and take off right away, whether that means helping you start a relationship with God, or whether that means helping you take steps in your relationship with Him and grow. We want to help you take your next step. This week, we're coming off of an Easter high, I'd like to say. We had 250 people here. It was an amazing first Easter for us as a church. So many people helped pull it off, whether it's the sound or the worship or the setup or the decorating or the hospitality or the, or the goods and all that thing, all the things that went into it. So I just want to clap for all those people that served. It was a lot. If you weren't here, like... It was an amazing service, and honestly, I couldn't have done it without all the people involved because my sanity would be, like, gone. Um, so I'm so thankful for all the people that helped with those services. Last week, though, we started a new, a new series. It's a four-week series called Grace Bomb, and we talked about how on Easter, Jesus drops the biggest grace bomb, uh, forgiving us and guiding us to have a life fully with God. When we're connected with him, we are to be people built up from grace, ready to grace bomb others. Or in other words, we're grace-built people great, that, that are ready to grace bomb people. So as we continue today, you might be wondering, like, what's a grace bomb or what's with the language of bomb? Well, first off, grace, grace is kind of a church word. That means giving of an undeserved gift or an unexpected gift. It's sometimes seen as like a respectful goodwill offering. And then bombs are explosions, right? They're disruptions or something that just infiltrates. Well, last weekend, I referred to Grace Bomb being this thing that comes out of nowhere and it infiltrates everything around you. Kind of like when a smell hits you and you're like, is that me? Is that my kid? Is that my, my wife? Like, again, y'all know what I mean, right? Like, but when we put grace and bomb together, you get grace bomb, which means this. It means a grace bomb is an intentional act of love. It's motivated by Jesus. It's a surprising gift meant to brighten your neighbor's day. Uh, it's a bomb of grace. Now, a grace bomb, it's this perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us personally and, and for others. When he, as God, lives a perfect life as we should here on earth, but then takes the consequences of our mess-ups or the mistakes that we've done, and then he dies this gruesome death for us to make the law and the standard fulfilled to make us right with God so that we can be with God fully. It's a bomb of grace. Today, we're going to look at how Jesus and how this, this giant act he does, it sets the tone for bombing with grace, but he also was a master bomber. He was a master bomber, someone who was all about dropping multiple grace bombs while here on earth. He's ones that I think that we can relate to, but ones that like we can also like look at and be like, wow, Jesus accepts people like me or people that don't do things like that. We can see that Jesus gives grace in these certain situations, but he also gives us direction on how to become a master bomber for ourselves. Because whether you are Christian here or not, when you look at Jesus' life, or at least what you kind of know about him, 
He was a master of kindness. He was a master of grace. He was a master of forgiveness and more and to all people. I don't know about you, but when I see someone who excels at things that I want to be like, I want kindness, I want goodness, I want to be someone that's full of grace. And I see that they actually do good in the world. I can't help but look at them as a master. We do this with a lot of things, right? Like when you see someone do something excellent, you see them kind of as this master of it. Well, some of you, you maybe know this about me, um, but I've done karate or martial arts my entire life. I'm a fifth degree black belt, so yeah, don't fall asleep in my sermons. Um, but... (laughs) But some of you maybe have never heard me talk about this before. But technically, the terminology of what I am in the karate world is a master. I'm a master. Aaron DeMaster, the master. Yeah. Um, But to do that or to get to that, I needed models. I needed people that, like, I could look to and learn from or other masters to look to. And for me, like, again, I've done it since I was three years old all the way till now. I, I've, it started with like watching X-Men, like, and just being like, wow, they're, they're amazing. It was the cartoon X-Men. And then it was like what I saw as the classic Batman movies, you know, with like Jim Carrey, the Riddler. Like, it was just like they, seeing him fight and kind of like cliche conversations. That was cool. Then there was Chuck Norris or uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, but this is him fighting Bruce Lee. That was like one of my masters that I looked to. And then even still today, I see like clips of Daredevil and I just can't help but be like, ooh, I got to learn that. I got I to gotta, I gotta study him. Like, it's just so awesome. In addition to all these movie masters, I also had real and karate instructors, besides movies and TV shows, um, who were higher ranks and technically masters at that point when they were teaching me. Now, the reason I tell you this is if you're looking for a karate instructor, a master to teach you karate, I'm your guy. <laughs> but if we apply this to grace... If you are looking for a master on grace, I wish I could say I'm your guy, but I'm just not. I'm just not. Three ways I was just thinking about like how I've not shown grace this week is I ate some of my wife's sweet potato fries when she wasn't looking. Um, I took the last bit of like the dirt at the compost center over here when there was a line of other people like getting, waiting for dirt. Yeah, that was me. I did that for our garden. Um, and I gave some dude the look for cutting me off on the highway. Like I was not full of grace. And that was just this week, actually the last like two days. Um, I want to do grace, but I don't do it all the time. I'm not the Chuck Norris of grace. If we want to be a master of grace, something that God calls Christians to be and to do, but something that's also this winning character trait in our society, Jesus, who many of us believe is God in the human flesh, is our guy to look to. He is our guy to look to. And if we look to him, we see that he does three things really well, which are the basics of grace bombing. It's it's load. It's listen, and it's let her go. Now, these are the basics. Like I said, if you were here at Easter, you maybe got an instruction card. They're in the seats in front of you with those three steps. And then it also has some grace bomb cards. We'll talk about those in a little bit. But they look like this. You have those in your seat, and then the grace bomb cards are like this. Uh, But these instructions, they're these three things. And we're going to talk about how these three things are things when we look to Jesus... The master bomber who who gives us the ultimate examples of loving our neighbors, he follows these three steps. And that's what we're going to study today. That's what we're going to study. So first off, let's start with our first one. Jesus loaded. Jesus loaded. No, Jesus wasn't packing or having too much wine at a party. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. Practically speaking, for grace bombing for us, being loaded means kind of having these cards ready for you, and it's being ready to show grace to people. But it also means being prepared in knowledge of grace and making an internal decision to be aware of times to grace bomb. Some of how Jesus did this is just in who he is. Jesus first got loaded with a physical body. Uh, his incarnation is kind of the church word for it. And what it means is God in the flesh, in human form, the incarnation. Our belief as Christians uh, is we have one God, but in three forms. So the Trinity you maybe have heard of. So there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And Jesus is God the Son. And it kind of talks about this, this one God being in multiple forms. And we'll read about it in John uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now this is a nice, neat verse, right? But it can kind of be confusing. Like, it, like what is the Word, and who is the Word, and like all these different parts but that's what it's showing. It points to God has different forms. God has different forms. So Jesus is the human version of God ready to give grace. And he's well aware of what God wanted as he's God. Now we can obviously, or we can't obviously just be like, boom, I'm God all of a sudden and, and be the human form of God. Uh, I mean, even for God, it was a humbling experience to learn what it's like to be a human and to also know what God wanted. Think of, think of the developmental process of becoming a human. Uh, I'll read about that. In, it's in John 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, uh, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, the Christmas story where Jesus comes and in, in a form of a baby, God, the author of creation, becomes a human as a baby. Just recently, like, I realized how insanely fragile babies are. Like, these last few days have been not fun at the DeMaster household lately. Like, I've had a crying baby in the middle of the night for, like, four hours straight. I've had a baby who has had 103 fever and it's scary. And then, like, there's these weird skin things that are going around in our baby. Like, it's just, like, like scary. And I've realized how fragile this baby we have is. It's scary, it's nerve-wracking, and it's annoying at the same time. Well, when God comes in human form as a fragile baby to be taken care of by other humans, he's living with us. He's living with us. What God does is he loads by being a human. One who both knows God's desires of grace, because he's God, but one who also understands our needs and struggles of life. For us to be one who loads to do grace is two things. It's first, humbling yourself to learn about God. Like, whether that means for you reading your Bible, it's praying, maybe it's showing up to church, maybe it's being in a community group, maybe it's asking those humiliating questions about God that you're just like, it feels so awkward, this ass, but you're trying to understand. But that's how you load. That's how you learn. And then secondly, it's putting yourself out in a spot to see where others need grace. 
when uh, I first moved to Fond du Lac, or I was planning on planting a church, and we're trying to figure out, like, what does Fond du Lac need? Does it need, like, something like Centerpoint Church of what we could offer? And we're trying to figure out, like, how should we, how should we create Centerpoint and all that? And we were like, starting to study the area of, like, what were the needs here? And uh, there's obviously a ton of different needs that you can, you can pinpoint on. But one that just kept reoccurring to us as we live with people here in Fond du Lac is we started to realize that Fond du Lac needed grace. The people here needed grace. And in one area in specific, it was just like there seemed to be so much harshness amongst the people we encountered or just the experiences we had in Fond du Lac. There's so much harshness of like when someone messed up or did something kind of wrong, it was like, you're out. Or it was like, uh, you can't be a part of this, or let's never talk to that person. It was, there's just all this harshness, and when, specifically even on social media, too, we saw all this, like, these bad things against different people on social media. It was harsh. So we purposely, in creating this church, was to be a place that showed grace, to show grace to people that, like, if they made a mistake, that it's okay. You can still walk with us. You can still grow with us. And that was a huge part of us of living in Fond du Lac and realizing what Fond du Lac needed. Now, again, if we go back to Jesus, Jesus was deeply aware of humans, of their life and the bad days people had so that he could show grace to them. It says this in Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. It says, since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Prior to Jesus' public ministry on earth, Jesus, he was led by the Spirit. He was tempted to, to, to cut God off. He was tempted to sell God out. He was tempted to call God out. Things that, honestly, we face all the time, right? Things we face all the time. Well, Jesus, he felt the struggles we deal with. He felt the temptations we deal with. He gets us. Again, for us, if we're to be masters of grace, we have to know our community's struggles. Like Jesus knew humanity's struggles. Honestly, this is, this is kind of harsh. But if you don't know the struggles of your community, you probably got to get out. You probably got to get out of your bubble. It's no conspiracy that there are hurting people in our city, in our world. And it isn't just those that are hungry and homeless. Those people need, need help, obviously, yes. It's them, but it's also the divorcee. It's also the person that's dealing with the sickness, the person that's a widow, the person that's carrying guilt, the lonely, the one who's making obvious attention posts on social media, the one who you know is just fighting something inside, the average Joe that just doesn't feel good enough. Jesus, he got in this world with us. He gets our pain, our struggle, the abandonment, bullying, hate, material temptations that we're going through. And you see when he met people with this, he gave them grace instantly. If we're to load we are to do all these things. But in the art of grace bomb, it's, it's having our cards ready and remembering to act and show grace to others. 
So what do you need to do to load to be a master of grace? Is it to be connected to God personally, like through your own reading, your praying, or uh, is it through paying attention in church, or is it getting in a community group, which uh, maybe it's just being around people that are like-minded and that are people you can ask those humiliating questions with? Is it through studying Jesus' actions personally? Do you, do you maybe need to like start studying what your community needs? Do you need to spend time with people in your community that have a need for grace versus just assume what they need? That is our first step, is load. The second step is listen. And don't worry, part two and three aren't as long as part one. We'll get you out of here within the hour. Um, but part two is, is listen. In grace bombing, listening means being sensitive to the Spirit's leading on when to grace bomb. And that is gracely, or it's greatly aided and basically done through prayer. How you listen of what God wants is prayer. Jesus, while he was on earth, constantly prayed throughout his ministry. One time in particular, he, he listened to God uh, and was strengthened. Well, Jesus listened, and he prays in light of the, the times that he felt weakness, and he averted pain. He averted the, the struggle. It talks about this in Luke 22, 42 to 44. It says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Here Jesus seeks God's will and was strengthened in reverent prayer. When he was praying, he was strengthened by God. Again, prayer is how we listen. It's how we overcome. Uh, Matthew 26, 41, it talks a little bit more about this. It says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we need to pray to do the right things that we know we should do because our flesh is weak. I don't know about you, but my flesh is weak. My flesh is definitely weak. It's so easy to make excuses, right? Like, and to fall in the temptation of not showing grace. Like, the time you're about to get angry at the waiter for bringing the wrong food. Like, you're like, I told you, you should have taken notes. You know, and like, they didn't take notes, but you're like, angry that they didn't bring the right food. Or the time you get angry about, uh, like, you're, you're angry about that person that just said that thing, and you're about to tell them off. Or the time that you want that parking spot, but you run into, like, another person that wants it too, and there's, like, the standoff. It kind of makes me think of, like, that, that Seinfeld episode with George, you know, like, where it's, like, he's parking. Hey! Hey! You're stealing my space! George, wait, you don't know who this guy is? People kill for a parking space in this city. No, 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 he's not getting away no, with this. George! What are you doing? I think I'm parking my car. You can't do that. You can't just sneak in from the back lane. The times you want to argue about a parking space. Uh, now, for real though, my spirit is willing to be like, oh, let's give him my parking spot. It's fine. But then I'm like, there's not going to be another parking spot, you know? And for, uh, it, it, There's the spirit inside you that you need that grace to help you overcome what your flesh wants. Again, it's more serious with other things, too. Like the time that you skip helping a person because you just feel you're too busy with the things you think are too important. Or the time that you know that person needs a ride, but ah, you're too busy. You don't have the time. I could go on and on and on. Listening in prayer, it fills the gap with, with God's help and strength to act. Again, there's the, there's the knowing 
and then there's the doing, right? You know what you, want, you should do, but then to actually do it is really hard. If we're to be grace bombers, we need direction and help to act. We fill the gap between knowing and doing through meaningful prayer, through praying. Now, one thing I want to clarify on is grace bombing doesn't mean just being a good citizen. Like, it's, it's more, grace bombing is more than just, like, giving your standard tip. It's more than saying thank you when someone does something nice for you. It's more than doing something when someone asks you, or it's more than just showing up for work. Um, those are basic human things y'all should be doing. Um, but, but grace bombing is something more to that. It's when those fringe things that are kind of like these awkwardish moments that you're not sure if you should do or not. Like, should you give that extra tip? Should you tell that person with an extra thank you, like, and just really give them that sincere thank you? Should you buy that person a meal? Should you give that person a ride? Or should you ask to tag along with that person that you know has just been, like, hinting the, that they want someone to come, but you're like, it's going to be so awkward. Do you actually do it because you know they don't want to be alone? When you are in these moments and you're like, that's so awkward. That's so awkward to do. But you keep getting this tap. This tap to just do it. I like to think of the cheesiest TBS movie. I'm bringing back all my childhood stuff over and over of, of Happy Gilmore. Of like, this, you're getting this tap to keep doing it. Just tap it. To just keep acting on this thing that God's telling you to do. Just tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a root. Honestly, like, that's how it feels about some of the taps from God, right? It's like, ah, you keep getting tapped, this nudge from listening and praying. And it's like, I just got to act on it. Which leads to our final step. It's then part three, Jesus let her go. He let her go. He drops the bomb of grace with others. Whether, whether that bomb of grace that we've seen Jesus do is accepting people. It's not judging them. It's talking to them when no one else would. It was healing them. Jesus healed people. He gave them time to heal them. He fed people. These are all things that we can see through scripture that Jesus did to give grace to people he was with. Now, it's him letting go. Now, it's, it's, is letting go easy? Is it something easy to do? Not really, right? It takes persistence. Uh, Jesus, he let her go on these actions by continually moving forward with action step after action step after action step to bomb us with grace. But there were barriers. It wasn't just this like, oh, I guess I'll just do it. It was step after step after step. In his effort to drop the greatest bomb of grace, of going to the cross for us, we see consistent action step after action step of grace to drop the ultimate grace bomb. The one we talked about at Easter. And just because like, he got one step in doesn't mean it got easier for him. It doesn't necessarily make it easier for you when you get one step in. He had to stay the course to actually bomb with grace. A bomb that had meaningful change. Last series, we talked all about being different for God. And how sometimes when we experience pushback, opposition, trials, especially after taking a step to follow God, it's usually a sign that we're on the right path. That's the same with grace bombing. 
We need to take step after step to the nudge that we're experiencing, to the tap, to wanting to grace bomb people. Now, I'm going to Bible nerd out for you for a second here. Uh, if you're into that thing, uh, it's going to be one minute. Um, now's the time for you. But if you're not into that, you can take a little one-minute nap. Um, but what I want to point out is Jesus progresses from action to action to action to get to his ultimate grace bomb. And we can see the, the course. He, he starts in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what he does there is he is in agony. He knows what he's about to step up to. And he's in agony. But he keeps going forward. Then he goes to the courtyard. And as he's there, he gets slapped. He gets slapped. And the soldiers are starting to mock him. Yet he still keeps taking a step. Then he goes to the temple of council where he's tried for kind of like this fraudulent trial that there no charges they really have against him. But he's tried anyways and he could just call them out. He could just be God. But he still keeps going forward with it. Then he goes to Pilate the governor. Uh, and as he's there, uh, Pilate's like, so why are you tried here for? Like I don't really even see anything and this isn't even my territory. But Jesus still sits. He's silent. And Pilate transfers him off because he's like, I don't want to make a decision for that. And then he gets sent to, to Herod. Uh, he gets sent to Herod. And as he's at Herod's court, Herod's like, that's not my territory. That's Pilate's. So he gets sent back to Pilate's headquarters. And Pilate's like, finally, like, what do, what, do you, what do your people want? And everyone is, crucify him. Get rid of him. So he's back at Pilate. And he, he gets crucified. But he also goes through scourging, beaten, struck him. Then he goes to Calvary. He has to walk with the cross. Again, he could stop, but he keeps going. He carries the cross. And then he finally gets to the cross, the last steps of taking nails, of, of actually dying on the cross. It's step after step after step after step. His steps in each of these moments, they honestly they should have been ours, right? They should have been ours to take or to do as this was the path to the payment of unholiness, of rebellion against God, in which we've all participated in. Jesus was innocent, yet still kept going forward. He stayed the course to let her go, even when it was hard. And honestly, he was God, right? He could have just disappeared, and it was over. Now the reason I, I Bible nerd out on you with this a little bit, is to show you all of these steps Jesus did. But I want to ask you the question, are you staying the course? Are you staying your course? For you, again, maybe it's smaller probably than the cross, but for you, maybe it's, it's taking a step of your, your, you want to tip someone a little bit extra because they, you just want to grace them. You know that they need this extra grace, but you forgot your cash or your card in, in the car. So that extra step is actually leaving and going and get it. Or maybe it's, it's buying dinner for that person behind you when you're in the drive-thru, the car behind you. You're like, ah, I just, I, I, I want to grace them with, with something big. And you want to buy it for them, but you're like, ah, I don't know how expensive it's going to be. That's scary. But you still ask for it. You, you still move forward with it because you feel this prompting. Or, you know, it's like that person like, that just did the, went out of their way to, to make things amazing for you. Whether it was a host or maybe it was a service or whatever it was. They did something so amazing for you. And you want to, like, thank them and maybe, like, hug them. Or I don't know. Like, you just want to, like, say, like, wow, that was so amazing. You want to email them afterwards. But you're like, that's so awkward. But you do it anyways. Or finally, you, you see a person alone, and they, they look crabby, but you know they want love. And you're like, I don't want to be that person that has to sit and talk with them the whole time. 
But you do it anyways. You take that step forward. You offer friendship. Again, what's it for you? When you feel weird, you just got to keep going. Again, to be a master grace bomber, we are to load, we are to listen, and we're to let her go. Jesus loaded with humanity by, by knowing what it's like to need grace, right? He listened to God and was strengthened by God in prayer, and then he let her go by doing action after action to bring him to the ultimate grace bomb. Looking at Jesus' act on the cross of actually doing all of those steps and doing the act of grace bombing us in the ultimate way, without him doing all those steps for me, for us, honestly, I don't know where I'd be. Like where I'd be without the cross is I'd be one who's probably still messing up a ton. And in Old Testament times, it was making sacrifices of animals. I'd be sacrificing a lot of animals. Um, I'd be uncertain who God is. Without Jesus, I'd be uncertain about him. Without Jesus modeling and doing it for us uh, and showing us who God is, I'd be uncertain about it. I'd probably be a doubter. I probably wouldn't believe in God. Uh, I'd be confused of what God is like. Uh, we see perfect love and perfect holiness from Jesus when he goes to the cross. And I'm able to see that then. Uh, I'd be working my butt off probably to tip the scale to try and make God love me or like me if, if I didn't have Jesus show me that it not, has nothing to do with what I do. It's not a merit. It's purely a gift. I'd be keeping up with the Joneses. Not Kip and Allison, if you know them, uh, but keeping up with the Joneses, I'd be, I'd be finding my identity in my peers. I'd be looking to see what my, my peers are doing, and I'd be like, ah, I guess that's what I got to do. I'd be doing that instead of looking to God. I'd be holding grudges, because that's what everybody does, right? And I'd be carrying my own burdens of sin, shame, and guilt, and just pushing them down, uh, because that's what everyone does. Jesus, when he's on the cross... He's relieved all those for me. Since that day of God going further and further to the ultimate grace bomb, each step was a sign of how much he loved us. So when we do that for a neighbor today, when it's step after step after step to grace bomb them, I don't think there's a better way to introduce a neighbor to the grace of Jesus than through you personally, your spirit led of action that you just have listened to, and then acted on, I don't think there's a better way to introduce them to Jesus than actually doing that and following through with those steps. So now that you have this tool of, of Grace Bomb, these cards, take these with you. They're in the seats in front of you. You have the instructions too. It's acting on grace and then also giving them a card of, of showing them that I've been prompted by God to give you this grace. It's you showing them you love them this much and you want them to love God. So as I wrap up, I encourage you to grace bomb this week. What that looks like, again, it's, it's taking the cards and stuff. And it's, again, a way to point to the source of your grace. The card, is, you might be thinking, like, is this just another kindness movement? Like, Aaron, really? But no, it, what this is, is it's a movement of obedience to Jesus as his workmanship. So as I wrap up, for you, what do you need to get over? What do you need to get over to actually grace bomb this week? For you, is it loading? Do you need the load? Reading your Bible? Is it getting caught up on sermons? Is it praying? Is it being in a community group? They're starting back up this week. If that's you, hop in one. You can ask those humiliating questions. Is it being with people you know need grace? For you, is it, is it listening? You need to pray to God more. You need to listen to his tap. 
Maybe you need to be quiet for once instead of talking to God. Or for you, is it letting go? Like actually acting on a promise. Awkward or not, acting on it. Staying the course even when it gets hard. I'm going to pray right now that we as a church, we have a number of grace bombing stories to share over these last two weeks of our series. If you want to pray for, for God to push you to do a grace bomb this week, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the ultimate gift of grace from Jesus. God, but thank you for showing us how we can also be grace bombers of, of people that are set to load, to listen, and to let her go. God, we pray that as we go out forward this week, we want to be like Jesus. We want to, we want to load and be ready with, with grace. We want to listen to you, your promptings, your taps, your nudges to, to act on times that we just see someone needs grace. And then we want to let her go. Have us take those persistent steps of moving forward, of actually showing that grace, living that grace out. So God, I pray that you give us an opportunity to do that and help us follow through with it. In your name we pray. Amen.